Good morning, everyone. That's a good reading, isn't it? It's an exciting reading, as a matter of fact. Uh, And maybe because we've become familiar with it, it doesn't have the impact that it should have on our lives, but it's it's got a great impact. There's some wonderful things stated here. And that is that uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Uh, There are two things that are stunning about that. First of all, that we could become new, that we could start all over again, and that we'd become new, not just an old uh, refurbished version of ourselves, but actually new. And the second is that God could make all things new. All things have become new. Revelation chapter 21 at verse 5 says the same thing. Behold, I make all things new. Jesus, if you attach yourself to Jesus Christ, He will will make things different for you. He will make things new for you. We like to think in terms of things around us when we think about new, don't we? We think about new gadgets. We think about new devices. We think about uh, new cars. We think about new houses. We think about new clothes. We think about new new hats, new shoes, new this, new that. Actually, he's talking about the new you. He's talking about something that's going to happen to you regardless of where you live. And in that regard, for instance... If you were a sinner, you could live in the Garden of Eden for a while at least. They did. Regardless of of what was going on around them, they were who they were, Adam and Eve. And if you lived in the the land of, or the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, like Abraham's nephew Lot did, He was a saint among the sinners. So he was still himself regardless of where he lived. So what the Bible is talking about, not so much is that things are going to change around you, but he's going to change you. He's going to change you. You're going to become new. And I think that's that's the problem that we run into when we go back over to Ecclesiastes in chapter 1. And the wise man there is saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. He just didn't see anything different. He said, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. The waters run from the rivers into the, into the sea, and then they come back in the rain. They, re, they go through a big cycle. And the wind makes its circuit. And things happen. One generation comes and one generation leaves. And he says, there's nothing new under the sun. What he's basically saying is, you're going to be the same all the time. You're always going to be the same. Except when Jesus came. He said, behold, I make all things new. Now he's not talking about your environment. He's not talking about where I live. He's talking about who I am. He's talking about me. It all started with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the one that was sent in Isaiah chapter 40 at verse 3. He was the voice of one that cries in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Jesus said about this man, John, he said, among those born of women, there's not risen a greater. Greatest man that ever lived, Jesus said, was John. You know what John was doing? He was saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The people at that time were waiting for things to change. Now John knew some things were going to change. He knew that there was a change in the air, as a matter of fact. So he said, you need to get ready for that change. And the way you get ready for it is you repent. The word repent is a very simple word. It means change your mind. That's what it means. Think about it and change your mind. What, he, what John was saying was, take a look at yourself. Do you like what you see? You shouldn't. If so, repent. Change your mind. Get ready for some big changes. Well, what happened was the people came out and in the book of Luke in chapter 3, the first 14 verses tell us about John the Baptist and him preaching repentance. And he was telling these people, you're going to have to make some changes. He said, to kind of paraphrase, he said, you've been playing in the mud long enough. You need to come in, wash yourself up, comb your hair, shine your shoes, dust yourself off, get clean, because something is going to happen. Something is coming. He was not going to change these people, but he said, you're going to have to get ready for something is coming. That's going to be a change. And so they asked him a question. The multitude said, well, what should we do? You know, one the simplest thing John told them was, if you've got two coats, give someone one that doesn't have a coat. He said, and if you've got something to eat, give something to someone that doesn't have something to eat. That's what he told the multitude. Get, make a change in your thinking. The publicans, you know who the publicans were? They were the tax collectors. And the way they collected taxes was they, they were given a certain percentage of what they collected. So if they could collect more money, it was on a percentage basis. If they could, collect, if they could get 10% of what they collected and they collected $100, they could get 10 of that for themselves. So they tried to collect more than they were supposed to collect. And you know what Jesus told the publicans? They said, what should we do? He said, uh, don't gouge. Don't take any more than you're supposed to. The soldiers came up, Roman soldiers. They, they apparently were, were aware of the fact that there was great changes in the wind. They said, what shall we do? And John said, don't be the neighborhood bully. He said, don't do violence to anybody. Well, that's what they were... They were there for it. They were there to beat people up. They were there to take advantage and make sure that everybody did what they wanted. He said, don't be bullies. And he said, don't slander the citizens. Do no harm to the citizens. And he also told them, don't rip off the weak. He told them, here's what you need to do. You need to change your thinking. And yet, if that's all that Jesus came to do, was to get people to change their thinking and sort of clean up their act, then it would have been a pretty simple thing, wouldn't it? It's kind of like a New Year's resolution. If that's all it is, repent, okay, what do I have to do? Well, share. 
like like they teach in kindergarten. Share. Well, that was there was more to it than that. We do this every year, don't we? We make New Year's resolutions. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to quit carousing. I'm going to stop drinking until I want another drink. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to, I'm going to be more considerate to my family and my friends. I'm going to exercise more patience with others. That's what John was telling these people to do. Get yourself cleaned up because something is going to happen that is going to be amazing. Somebody's coming to make a monstrous change in your life. We're familiar with these things. John's message was actually preparatory. On one of his preaching tours, Paul found some people who had been doing some repenting and were preaching repentance. In Acts chapter 18, uh, there, were, there was a couple uh, that ran across Priscilla and Aquila. And they ran across a man by the name of Apollos. And he was preaching. But you know what he's preaching? He's saying, get ready for Jesus. That's what he's preaching. Get ready for the kingdom. He didn't know Jesus, of course. But get ready for the kingdom. He's preaching John's repentance. And that's what John was saying. Get yourself ready. Clean yourself up. Have a little liposuction. Comb your hair. Put a little dye in your hair. Get some rouge and some makeup on your face. Clean your act up a little bit. Because something great is going to happen. Now that's what they're preaching. Paul found 12 of these guys in the, in the city of Ephesus in chapter 19 of Acts. He found them and what were they doing? They were preaching repentance. They were getting everybody ready. Getting everybody ready. Polish your shoes. And he said, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? They said, we don't even know where there is a Holy Spirit. And he preached to them Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They were baptized, and then they started preaching Jesus. So Jesus came to make a difference. He came to make a life change. He came to not to advocate a makeover. That's not why Jesus came. He came to change things dramatically, extensively, a new life. In the book of John in chapter 3, in the Gospels, Jesus was, was, uh, had, had encountered a man who came to him by night. His name was Nicodemus. John chapter 3. I'll just read it. There was a man of the Pharisees. That's John 3 verses 1, starting in verse 1. He was named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Nicodemus was laying it on. He said, "We, you're you're something else, Jesus. You've you've been you've been committing, you've been uh, performing some miracles, and you're teaching. Nobody can teach like you teach." Jesus shut him down. He jumped ahead of him. He said, "Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Hey, that's not what Nicodemus was after. What these people were after was reformation. They wanted to renew a, renegotiate a contract with God. In the Old Testament, that's what the Old Testament was about, these people lived under a law that said, if you'll, if you'll do my commandments, I'll make you prosperous. 
I'll exalt you. You'll be so rich you can't have barns big enough to hold it in. That's what they wanted. So Nicodemus, he was ready for that. And Jesus shut him off. He, he said, Nicodemus is waiting for that. He wanted his part of that. And Jesus said, wait a minute. You know, Nicodemus, your, your old life is not worth anything. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How radical was that? Nicodemus, toss out everything that you've been doing before and I want you to start all over again. I'll give you a new life. Not a remade life. I'll give you a new life. Now, think about that for just a minute. In the book of Romans in chapter 6, we're talking about, we're talking about something so radically different that it changes everything. In Romans chapter 6 at verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. We die. That's the newness of life. What is your life worth, by the way? What is your life worth? Jesus, Jesus asked the man that question one time. He said, what is a man's life worth? You know that the Spanish explorers came to this country halfway around the world looking for the fountain of life. They wanted to get well and live forever. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he came to save us and he said, I came to give them life and that more abundantly. What, what Jesus came to do is give us life. What would you give for another 10 years of life? Some of you that are up, up in age a little bit, what would, you, what would you give for another 10 years? Guaranteed, what would you give? I know people who have spent their whole life savings trying to find a doctor that would give them a couple of more years of life. Everything they own, if they could have just a little bit more life, just a little bit more. What is your life worth? And yet Jesus said, I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give you the life, and I'm going to give you that more abundantly. And then he said, he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. What that means is, if you partner up with Jesus, and you live your whole life with him, when you get right down to the end, you know what's going to happen? You're just going to go on home with him. He's here with you. He's living with you. He's in your house. He said, okay, night's fallen, shades down, come to my house. And that's what happens. That's life. That's the new life that he came to give. These people were not expecting that. And a lot of people today don't expect it. When we talk about repentance, we're talking about, hey, I'm not happy with the way I've been. You may be happy with the life you've had before. If you're happy with what you have you're not a you're not a candidate for repentance. You're going to turn your nose up and say, "Hey, I like what I am. I like me, and I like who I am." And there were people like that in Jesus' time. In the book of Luke, in chapter seven, verse twenty-nine and thirty, it says the the Pharisees and scribes came out and they said they they rejected the counsel of God against themselves, not being baptized of John. Why weren't they baptized of John? Because they didn't want to repent. They didn't feel like there was anything wrong. 
So my life is good. And, and I'm just going to keep living this good life. And I'll make a few improvements. Put a little lipstick on. A little color in my hair. New suit of clothes. Shoe shine. And I can just keep going the way I was before. Maybe a little better. That's not what Jesus said. He said, you're going to trash all that. You know, the, the old you is gone. And I'm going to give you a new you. A new you. And he told Nicodemus, you're going to have to start all over again, just like you're born again. Now I'm reading in Romans chapter 6, and at verse 4 it says, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. Walk in newness of life. And there are other texts that say the same thing. It's a new life. It's not the old life. It's entirely different from the way we've been before. It's entirely different than the way we've thought before. It's entirely different from the way we've dreamed of things before. It's a new life. He said in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 through 24, this is Paul again, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that is your old life, put off the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now these texts show us that God did not intend for us to just kind of be a new model of our old self. These texts tell us that he wants you to forget that old self and be the new self. Be something you weren't before. And he doesn't want you dragging your old life behind you, wagging it behind you, and dragging it across the chasm of baptism into the new world that he has. He wants you to give that up and come with him and learn of him. Learn how to do what he wants you to do. Now, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to, to conceive of what Jesus is talking about in terms of the radicalness of the newness of his, of his world. But he gives us some hints and gives us some, some uh, pointers in the, in the uh, four Gospels while he's here on earth. He gives us some idea of what the new life is going to be. Now, John, who was an apostle also, wrote in 1 John chapter 2 at verse 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, he that does the will of the Father, lives forever, abides forever. Jesus set the tone for us in terms of what he means by this new life. If, for instance, you want to be at the top of your game, Jesus said, go to the bottom. He said, go to the bottom. Start at the bottom. In the book of Luke, chapter 14, verse 11, whosoever exalts himself, that is, tries to get to the top, shall be abased. That means taken to the bottom. He that humbles himself, he's at the bottom, shall be exalted. So if you want to get to the top, you've got to go to the bottom. That's, that's, that's what Jesus said. He says, if you want to be first, 
served. If you want to, if you if you think that there's some good things being passed out, and you want to be first, he says, go to the end of the line. Now that's what Jesus is talking about in terms of newness. Nobody ever told anybody to do that. If I want to be first, I crowd into head. I take cuts. I get up there and I'm big enough. I'm going to shove my way in and I want to be first. I want to be there to get mine. Jesus said, no, go to the end of the line. Matthew chapter 19 verse 30 says, But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Interesting, isn't it? And he says, if you want to be the biggest and the greatest and the tallest and the strongest, he said, you're going to have to be the weakest. You're going to have to be the little one. That's the world of Jesus. That's new, isn't it? Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 says, at the 18, verse 1 through 3 says, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst thereof and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. That's not what he told Nicodemus, wasn't it? A man must be born again of water and the Spirit. That's, of course, baptism and a change of heart to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's what, he, well, that's what he's saying here. He said you have to be a little child if you, if you want to be, as Joe Force used to say, the tall hog at the trough. He said, you have to be the little guy. You've got to be the little one. And he said, if you want to be pampered and served and taken care of, you want people to, when you come in the door, say, well, this is the one I want to minister to. He said, you're going to put on a servant's apron and serve. In Luke chapter 22, verse 26, the disciples were, were uh, arguing about this. And they asked Jesus, they, they said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom? And he said, He that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. He is the chief as he that does serve. Be the servant. If I want to be recognized for whom I am, Jesus, now this is Jesus telling about the newness of his kingdom. This is the radicalness of it. This is how radical it is. He said, if you want recognition and status, go wash some feet. Isn't that something? You know what Jesus did the night he was betrayed? He had supper with his disciples, what we call the Lord's Supper, in which we observe this morning. He had the Lord's Supper. He had a meal with them. When he got through, he had a, he had a towel around himself, and he set each of the apostles down and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. Then he took the towel from around himself and uh, he dried their feet with it. And that tells you how great our, our, our Savior was. He was the great one. He was the one washing feet. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the situation. I talked last week about the old covenant, the old law, the old testament. And that was the law given by Moses, through Moses, on Mount Sinai. And it was the law telling everybody what they had to do. And uh, they had certain restrictions and requirements in terms of teaching that law. And they were told, you tell your children, you teach your children all these laws. 
You teach them, and every morning you teach them in the morning, you teach them at night. You teach them what I want them to do. And you write them on your sleeves. And you write them on your doorposts. You write them down so you'll know what you're supposed to do. That was the old covenant. That's agreement. And you remember, as I, as, as we were talking and, and studying together, most of you, that they just, they just didn't get that. They said, no, I think we're, I think we're good. And they didn't, they didn't continue to follow the Lord. And every now and then they'd, they'd get in a bind because they were told if they would keep these laws that God would bless them beyond their imagination. They would be the greatest among the nations. And they were, to start with, in Solomon. They were fabulously wealthy, so much so that the nations around them wanted to come get some. They were the goose that laid the golden egg. They were, they were wealthy beyond your, your wildest dreams. And every time a man went out to sow his field, he'd plant and his crop would come up so high that he'd, he'd, it would take him long enough, it'd take him so much time to harvest it that he got into the time when he had to plant it again. He just had more than he could, he could handle. That was because God said, I will bless those that bless you. I will bless you. I will make you fruitful in your field, in the city, whatever you do. And that's what they were expecting when Jesus came. But now Jesus is saying, I've got a new covenant, New Testament. It's a new one, a new deal. I know you weren't around when Roosevelt said that. But he said, he, he, he gave the new deal. His wife said, he, his wife said well, I'll, I'll get in on this too. I'll give you a new highway cleanup. So, a new deal. Well, that's what Jesus had. He said something entirely new. And he had a new covenant. Now, I want to read this for you in Hebrews chapter 8 and starting at verse 7. Here's the new agreement that if you want to be with Jesus, if you want to be alive, if you want to live forever, here's the agreement you have to accept. Verse 7, it says, If that first covenant, that was the Old Testament, had been faultless, no place would have been sought for the second Finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. In the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not my covenant, I regard them not, saith the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. Guess what? When you're reading the New Testament, you're reading it with your head. You're getting it. You're reading about Jesus. He's talking to you through the Holy, the Holy Spirit is talking to you through the New Testament. And your head then is passing that information to your heart and your heart is absorbing it. And when you believe it and you accept it in your heart, then it's going to explode in your actions. That's the way it works. And not the other way around. In other words, you don't read it and then learn it and then later on you decide you do it. It has to come from the heart. It has to be in, in the heart. He said, I'll put my laws into their minds and write them in their hearts and will be to them a God. They shall be to me a people. They shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord. All shall know me. You 
must know Jesus Christ in order to go to heaven. In order to be saved, in order to have the new life, you have to know him. Well, how, much, how close do I have to know him? You've got to live with him daily. He wants in your life. He wants to be the biggest part of your life. He wants you to make decisions based on how he'd make a decision. He wants, to, he wants to go along with you and take you where he wants you to go instead of you taking him where you want to go. He is in your life. If any man be in Christ, the Bible says, if you're in Christ, you are a new creature. A new creature. He said, every man will know him. They shall not teach every man his brother and every man his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. I'll be merciful to their unrighteousness. Their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, the new covenant he's made the first old. That which decays and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. The new life starts with Jesus. You believe Him. You've heard the gospel. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. You confessed His name. You said, hey, I want everybody to know. I want you to know this morning. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. I believe that He rose from the dead. I believe that. And I want people to know that. And I'll tell them. I'll, t- I'll tell them. Do you want people to know that? Do you want to confess that Jesus is the Christ? Then He said, Be baptized for the remission of your sins and rise to walk in newness of life. From now on, my life is going to be regulated by Jesus Christ in me. And I'm looking forward to the resurrection. Are you? A new life. You can have it. You can have it, but you can't have it without Jesus. He's the only one to give us that. Let's stand and sing the song of invitation.